so we thank God for this opportunity to um, be able to minister to you on uh, Pastor John's behalf and uh, believe that we're going to go ahead and get into some good word that will set us up for some, some, some good, solid prayer time. And, and, and this teaching on prayer uh, is uh, I, it's very, very important because here's the thing. We often can think that if we've done something a whole lot that we know how to do it. But just because you've done something a whole lot doesn't mean you know how to do it. I believe that for us to know if we're effective prayers, we need to look at our fruit, the fruit of our prayer life. Jesus talked about bearing fruit in John chapter 15 in regards to prayer. And, uh, and so when he's talking about bearing fruit right there in the context of talking about prayer... You can know that one, at least one of the things he's talking about is prayer fruit, having a fruitful prayer life. And I believe we're going to hit some things tonight that can be helpful to take us into a fruitful prayer life. Amen. Um, what we're going to do, talk tonight about the legal side of prayer. And um, I will admit this to you, that I am not the... The, the, the pastor here who, who's a former State Street attorney. <laughs> we know Pastor John is that. But I have seen some things in the Word that, that were just very, very uh, uh, fascinating to me and, and, and things that just clicked in my spirit and I think can be helpful for us to see, helpful for us to just have a, a fresh look at some things in the Word regarding our approach and our stance towards God and, and the fact that this is literally set up on a legal basis. Um, you know, there, there are some good nuggets to know when you start learning about prayer and start educating yourself about prayer. Some things that are, are good, solid foundations to get started with is the fact that you don't ask God to do something about what he told you to do something about. <laughs> That's what not to pray for. So, so you don't have to ask God to do something when he told you to do that thing. Your job is to just go ahead and do what he told you to do. And another one of those basic foundational blocks of prayer is not to ask God to do something about what he's already done. Because if he's already done it, there's nothing else he can do for you. There's nothing more that needs to be done on the giving end of it. It's something that needs to happen on the receiving end of it. And the receiving end of it is our end and not his. So uh, th those are just some good little foundations when it comes to prayer. But uh, I want to go ahead and l look at prayer from, from, the, uh, from the legal side of it. Uh, imagine... Uh, if you were to pray like a lawyer, if you were to exercise spiritual authority with uh, uh, your legal standing in mind. Uh, interesting thing that um, uh, one thing we'll look at here first is not just the idea of praying, but also the idea of taking authority and speaking to things. And uh, so, so there's that aspect of making requests to the Lord where we make requests to him directly in the name of Jesus. And, and we'll talk about that a little bit. But the first place I want to get started is when we're speaking to things and when we're addressing things in the authority of Jesus. 
And no better place to look than to look at the ministry of Jesus himself when you see Jesus as the legal authority taking legal action. Hey, hallelujah. Um, it's interesting. Uh, uh, we have read the scripture before many of us and have come across the word rebuke, where, where Jesus would rebuke a spirit and, and so on. Uh, but uh, I, it's interesting. I took the time to actually look at the word and look at the, uh, the, the Greek meaning of the word. And one of the words that describe this is the word adjudge. The word adjudge. A-D-J-U-D-G-E. A-D-J-U-D-G-E. Adjudge. And literally, uh, some of the ways that, that this word can be uh, defined is to, to consider or declare to be true, like this person was judged guilty, this person was considered or declared that it was true, that they were guilty. Uh, you could also, uh, in, in, in this sense, you could say that the court judged legal damages to somebody. Or the flip side of that is for somebody who has to pay the penalty that the defaulter was adjudged to pay the whole amount. So this is something, this idea of judging someone, uh, uh, this could be uh, applied to the person who was, uh, 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 off, the, the offense was done against, or it could happen to the offender. So if a judgment happens to the offender, that means that the offender's having to go ahead and uh, pay up. And if a, a judgment is... Uh, uh, if if uh, legal damages are being adjudged to the person who was offended, that means they're getting their payday. And so it's interesting that this word rebuke would even have a connotation like that, a connotation of uh, 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 something that would have to do with, with, with legalese and, and the legal approach to things. And so I want to look at a few scriptures tonight that, that, that would just kind of enlighten that and to see that when Jesus was rebuking a spirit or rebuking a storm, that he was actually taking legal action and, and telling it that it was no longer permitted to be able to operate in a certain way. And we're kind of liking them to certain familiar legal terms that we use today. First of all, let's look where Jesus gave a few gag orders out. <laughs> a gag order meaning that you are not allowed to talk about this case. Well, look at this here. This is Luke 4, 33 through 35, where it says, Now in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, they came out of him and did not hurt him. So we see this aspect of Jesus rebuking the Spirit and not allowing him to speak. Because, you know, the devil would like to show off and the devil would like to talk a whole lot, but he don't got nothing good to say. So he needs a gag order placed on him. And we see another familiar uh, case like this in the same chapter in the 42nd verse where you also see Jesus not allowing the evil spirits to speak. So we see Jesus using a gag order where he's not allowing them to speak. We see in one place where Jesus used an eviction order. And I love this because we're going to go ahead 
ahead and watch Jesus evict a fever out of a woman's body. This is Luke 4, 38 through 41. It says, now he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house. But Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever, and they made requests of him concerning her. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her, and immediately she arose and served them. This was a case where there was a fever in Simon Peter's mother-in-law, and Jesus evicted that fever. He rebuked it and it left her. There was an eviction order given in that case. In this case here, we're going to look at a cease and desist order. In Luke chapter 8, verse 22 through 24, it says, now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. But as they sailed, he fell asleep and a windstorm came down on the lake and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him saying, master, master, we're perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water and they ceased and there was a calm. So this wind and this raging of the water got a cease and desist order and it had to listen to the master. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 9, verse 38 through 42, we see this. We see a motion for return of property. A motion for return of property. We see this in verse 38 of Luke 9. Suddenly a man from the multitude cried out, saying, Teacher, I implore you, look on my son, for he's my only child. And behold, a spirit seizes him, and he suddenly cries out. It convulses him so that he foams at the mouth, and it departs from him with great difficulty, bruising him. So I implored your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. And as he was still coming, the demon threw him down and convulsed him. Then Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the child, and gave him back to his father. This is return of property because the enemy stole this child from his son where his son was not able to enjoy him and to to pour into him and, and to be able to do what fathers and sons usually get to do together because this uh this evil spirit came and deprived the father of such an honor and such a pleasure but Jesus, by rebuking this unclean spirit, was actually offering a motion for a return of property. And when this child got delivered, what happened? He was given back to his father. Someone say, I'm getting my property back. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Understand this that uh, uh, this is just one side of things. This is obviously about the idea of, of speaking to evil spirits speaking to uh, a storm in one case. But, but we also realize this, that in, in the, the act of prayer, that we're not necessarily speaking directly to something, but we're speaking to the Father in the name of Jesus as he has taught us in the Word. And, and regarding this, you got to realize that when it comes to viewing this from a legal standpoint and looking at the legal side of prayer, you realize that by the fact that Jesus gave you his name to use, he gave you his power of attorney. 
Uh, it's like a, a, a written document given by one person or party to another that authorizes the latter to act for the former. It, it, it authorizes the one to whom it is given to act on the behalf of the one who gave it. And that is good news, glory to God, because that means that Jesus who gave us his name has given us the authority to act on his behalf. Hallelujah. Now, the power of attorney, uh, of course, it's the legal right to use the name of the person who's given you the power, but the power is limited only to the extent of the resources behind the name. Which means if the, if the person uh, whom you are acting on behalf of, if they run out of resources, you run out of resources. You cannot utilize what they don't have. But I want you to know, glory to God, as we have been given the name of Jesus and that the, the power of attorney that we have to use his name is limited to the extent of the resources behind that name, there is no limit. I said there is no limit to the resources behind that name, which means that we have a a, a limitless uh, life in front of us to be able to exercise spiritual authority, to be able to go ahead and do on the behalf of Jesus what Jesus would be doing if he was here. And you don't have to wonder what he did uh, when he was here. You can go ahead and read it for yourself and to know that the very same Jesus who went and set people free and allowed the power of God to flow through him to bless humanity said to his followers that those who believe in me the works that I do will you do also and greater works than these because I go to the father so you can act on the behalf of Jesus to fulfill his desires to do what he would do if he was here to act as as though you were his ambassador because that's who you are you are representing the kingdom of God on earth Hallelujah. And by using the, the power of attorney behind Jesus' name and, and praying things in Jesus' name and commanding things to take place in Jesus' name. Not things that you're just pulling out of the, uh, uh, pulling out of a hat and say, I'll try to do that. No, no, we're talking about things that are in line with God's plan, things that are in line with His purpose, His will for you and His will for others. Amen. Now, Matthew 18, uh, Matthew, I'm sorry, 28, 18 through 20, uh, the Great Commission, we see this, that Jesus is making this statement, that all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And then he says, go therefore, which is very significant because if, if the authority has been given to Jesus, then we might stop there and say, well, Jesus has the authority. We hope Jesus does something with it. But the fact that he did not say, all right, all authority is given to me, so I'm going to go. No, he said, all authority is given to me, so you go, which means there's a transference there. There's a transference of the authority that because I've got the authority, therefore you got the authority. I've got the authority, so therefore you go. I'm authorizing you to go. I'm equipping you to go. I'm giving you the same equipment that I've used to do my, to do my ministry so that you can go and continue my ministry. Because what has happened from the ascension of Jesus into heaven until this present day is not something different from the ministry of Jesus. It's the continuation of the ministry of Jesus. Luke said it very well when he began writing the book of Acts and he talked about 
the, the book of Luke, the former book that he had wrote to a gentleman named Theophilus, and he said that was what Jesus began both to do and teach, signifying that what I'm writing now in the book of Acts is the continuation of what Jesus is doing and teaching through his body, the church. Woo, hallelujah. So, hey, when we think about the legal side of prayer, why don't you go ahead and think about praying like a lawyer? And I'm not talking about using complex language and legalese, but I'm talking about your approach to God and the fact that we can actually uh, lay out a case before God, that, that we can actually uh, uh, argue a case with God. Not that you're arguing with God in the sense of getting into an argument with somebody, but you're arguing a case. You're laying out a case before him. And he is not offended by that in the least. As a matter of fact, he loves it and he even told us to do it. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25 through 26. This is God speaking. He says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Put me in remembrance. Let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. Now, God's not telling you to state your case just for the sake of, you know, having a little fun with you and playing around with you. He said, state your case so that you may be acquitted. He's literally saying, state your case so you'd win the case. Hallelujah. Think about this. This is a fascinating portion of scripture. It's uh, Job 23, verse 3 through 7, and it's out of the New Living Translation. Job 23, 3 to 7 out of the New Living Translation. And think about this as a beautiful, amazing picture of of Job's desire to to go ahead and, and, uh, and understand this legal side of approaching God. He starts by saying, if only I knew where to find God, I would go to his court. I would lay out my case and present my arguments. Then I would listen to his reply and understand what he says to me. Would he use his great power to argue with me? No, he would give me a fair hearing. Honest people can reason with him. So I would be forever acquitted by my judge. That is just amazing. That, that he would say that if I just knew where to go, if I knew where God's courthouse was, I would show up, I'd lay out my case and present my arguments. And you see here that the fact that, that, that he had a sense that God would give him a fair hearing and that he would be able to reason with God and that he would be able to be acquitted before God. We heard that word acquitted back in Isaiah 43. And here's that same theme once again. The fact that God wants you to present your case, but God also wants you to win your case. It's amazing. And uh, realize this, that when we're laying out our case, we're laying out our arguments before God in prayer, we're doing so according to uh, promises that he's made. We're doing so according to his attributes, according to how he has clearly revealed himself, his redemptive names, which is 
tied in right to his attributes. It's clearly how he's revealed himself. But, and also his purpose and his will. The thing that he said he wants done. So we're laying out arguments that are in line with these things. So in Genesis 18, through 25, when you see Abram uh, laying out the case, or I'm sorry, Abraham at this time laying out the case before God for, for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, you, you see him using this kind of terminology. Would you destroy the righteous with the wicked? He's questioning God, not in an irreverent way, but, but, but he's making his case by what he's saying. He said, far be it from you to do such a thing to slay the righteous and the wicked together. He said, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Isn't that amazing? I mean, he's, he's talking to God like he's a lawyer making his case before him. We see uh, Jacob in Genesis 32, 9 through 12, rehearsing to God the words that God spoke to him where God told him to return to his country and to his family. But there's one little problem. If I do that, then Esau may know where I am. And Esau might have a little uh, something in his memory about the way that I did him bad back in the day. But thank God. You see, Jacob uh, praying this prayer, and, and he is talking God's own words that he spoke to him back to God. He, he's echoing the sound of God's words back to him. And he's saying, God, remember that you said that I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. He, he said, Lord, if that's going to happen, that, that, that means you're going to have to, uh, to help Esau calm down and not be so mad about, about the birthright thing and about the, uh, the blessing and, and all, all the ways that, that he offended and robbed from his older brother back in the day. You see Moses in his prayer in Deuteronomy 9, 27 through 29, where, where, where God's hot at Israel and, and, and Israel is just royally blown it. But, but God's saying, remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The fact that God would go back and say, remember, remember, remember. And, and he said, Hey God, you don't want people saying about you that, that, uh, uh, you, you weren't able to bring them into the land that you promised them. And so, you know, you, you kind of went halfway and stopped or you went part of the way, but di- didn't go all the way. And you don't want anybody to say that it wasn't because you were able or that you were unable to do it. Um, you, you know, it's interesting. The scripture goes on to say in Deuteronomy 9, that little portion of 27 through 29, and Moses wraps it up by saying this, yet they are your people and your inheritance whom you brought out by your mighty power and by your outstretched arm. Uh, think about talking to God in this way, where, where, where he's talking to God about God's responsibility and the fact that these are God's people and the fact that God made a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and he's telling God, you best remember what you said. What a way to talk to God Almighty. And yet he did it and God wasn't offended. 
You know, we see in Nehemiah chapter 1, 7 through 9, another prayer. And I'm not going through these here now, but I'm going to go ahead and make sure that the notes are on the website for those who might want to check it out later. But I, I think about this, that Nehemiah, once again, is taking the approach of telling God to remember. He said, remember, I pray, the word that you commanded your servant Moses. So once again, it's this approach to God that said, you said something. You made a statement, and I am holding you to the statement. Those words came out of your mouth, and I'm holding you to that. Those are binding words, and I'm holding you to your words. Hallelujah. What a way to approach God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, before we wrap up, I want to go ahead and go through what are some of the legal terms that you see showing up in the Bible. And it's just amazing. And, and how, how many of them, uh, uh, you, you know, you can almost read right by, but, but really when you break it down, you say, whoa, this is really legal terminology that you're seeing in the Bible. And one of those, and of course, very fitting when we're talking about prayer is the word petition. Petition is a legal term. And you see this in first John chapter five, verse 14 through 15. Where it says, now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Now think about this. Petitions that are being asked according to his will. So you've got his will and you're making petitions that are in line with his will. So, so here's the thing. If you were in somebody's will and you petitioned something that was in line with the wishes of that person who wrote the will, then there would be nothing to keep you from having your petition met because your petition was in line with the will of the person. And I tell you, when you are making petitions that are in line with what God has clearly stated he wants for you, there is absolutely nothing in the world to keep you from having that petition met. You don't have to wonder if it's God. As a matter of fact, this here, if we got this, we would change our approach in prayer. Because so many people have had a a traditional religious approach to God that said, well, we'll find out if God wants me to have it based on if I get it or not. So if I ask God for it and then I get it, it must mean that he wanted me to have it. And if I ask God for it and then I don't get it, it must mean that he didn't want me to have it. But this verse here shows me that I should go into prayer, not trying to find out what the will of God is in this case. And there's a time to do that. But in this case here, I should go into my place of prayer already knowing what the will of God is so that I can make my petition in line with that will. And then when I do that, there's no doubt about it whether I'm going to get it or not. It is an absolute certain thing. It says, if we know he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. You know, we, we see provision in scripture. 
Provision, uh, uh, that's the legal term. You hear about a provision in the law for this or a provision in the law for that. And God himself said that he's the provision. Well, on Mount Moriah, in Genesis chapter 22, God, uh, uh, Abraham said about God to his son Isaac, when Isaac looked around and said, hey, we're supposed to offer a sacrifice here. Ain't nothing to sacrifice here. But God said, uh, uh, Abraham said that God would provide for him himself the lamb for a burnt offering literally in some translations it reads that god will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering and that is absolutely literally what he did god provided himself to be the lamb for the burnt offering hallelujah so god himself is provision hallelujah he's provision and, and and whatever provision you need, that provision is found in him because he is the provision. And so you can make petitions based on the provisions that have been made. And you know that you're right in alignment when you're asking in line with what he's clearly declared and what he's clearly provided for. If your petition's in line with that, you know you're good to go. Hallelujah. Think about this. Testament is a legal term. We've often heard the term last will and testament, but in Hebrews 9, it talks about that where there's a testament, there also has to be the death of the testator, the death of the one who's passing on that will or passing on that testament. So it says that a testament is not enforced while the testator is alive. It's only after the testator dies that the testament can be uh, in place and, and active and operable. Uh, think about this, that Jesus introduced the new and the everlasting covenant. He died so that that covenant could come into being and be operable. And then he was raised from the dead to ever uh, live uh, and make intercession for us on the right hand of the Father to make sure that we got everything that was coming our way. Hallelujah. So we see these legal terms, petition, provision, testament. How about advocate? First John 2 verse 1 says, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Literally, this term means a defense attorney, one who pleads another's case before the judge. So when you realize that, that God the Father is judge, the righteous judge, as Psalm 9 verse 8 says, he shall judge the world in righteousness. So he's the righteous judge. He's the just judge. And we've got Jesus, who is our elder brother and our defense attorney, who's pleading our case before the Father. That is amazing. And talk about being able to have favor with the judge. You don't have any greater favor with the judge than when you have the judge's son. (laughs) You've got the judge's son acting on your behalf as your defense attorney pleading your case before him. Hallelujah. Somebody dance in your living room tonight. How about this? Luke chapter 18. We're getting ready to wrap up here. But Luke chapter 18, uh, uh, Jesus is telling the story about a judge who was not a righteous judge like God was. 
As a matter of fact, he says very specifically, starting with verse 1. It says, then he spoke a parable to them that men ought all, always ought to pray and not lose heart. And he said that there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard men. Now there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard men, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him? Though he bears long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? So here's somebody coming before a judge and pleading her case, asking the judge to go ahead and, and uh, uh, get her justice for what her adversaries did to her. And Jesus is saying that if this guy who Jesus calls an unjust judge would go ahead and act on her behalf, how much more do you think the just and righteous judge of the universe act on your behalf when you come and you make your case before him? Jesus said, no, nah, he's not going to go ahead and, and, and uh, 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 make you wait all your life. He says, I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Glory to God. Think about that, that your father is the judge, the righteous judge. Your older brother is your defense attorney. That tells me that when I go into prayer and make a case before God, the, the deck is already stacked in my favor. Hallelujah. You know, we could go into some other things, but let, let me just wrap it up with these two thoughts here before we pray tonight. You know, it's interesting that the two instances in Scripture where Jesus talked about people having great faith. One of them is a centurion who understood authority. He was in authority and he was under authority. And he knew that if he were to, to uh, not heed the, the orders of those commanding him, that he would be breaking Roman law as a Roman centurion, and that if those who were under him did not uh, instantly heed to him, that they would be breaking Roman law. So he understood how things worked, how authority worked, how the chain was supposed to work, and he knew that Jesus was a man who was in authority and under authority. He was under the authority of his father and he was in authority because when he spoke to things, these things had to listen to him. When he spoke to unclean spirits, unclean spirits left the people they were in. When he spoke to fevers like he rebuked a fever, that fever left. And I'll tell you, you've got, I'm going to be, be straight with you tonight. If you got COVID-19 right where you are, we're going to go ahead and rebuke that. Not just the fever, not just the shortness of breath. We're going to rebuke the whole thing and tell it to leave your body in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I rebuke COVID-19. And I say you leave the body of this man, this woman, 
this child in Jesus' name, in Jesus' authority. You do it, you do it now, you leave. I said leave in Jesus' name. Glory to God. So you see, this man knew authority. Jesus said he had great faith. And who was the other one Jesus said had great faith? It was that woman from Canaan who even though Jesus referred to her with the lingo of the day, calling her a dog because she was a Gentile, she was not of the covenant of Israel. Yet she came back to Jesus and said, yep, I might be a dog, but even the dogs get to eat the crumbs from the master's table. She did not stop making a case before God on behalf of her daughter who was possessed with an evil spirit. And Jesus said, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. It's no coincidence that Jesus would say that uh, the two people with great faith under his ministry would be somebody who understood authority, somebody who understood rank, somebody who, who was very, very clear about how to be in and under it themselves, but they were also very much aware of the fact that Jesus was under the authority of the Father and he was in authority over sickness, disease, and every evil spirit. And then there was this woman, the Canaanite woman, who laid out her case before God and made it very clear that she wasn't leaving without what she came to get. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So that's some insight into the legal side of prayer tonight. And I pray that it blesses you and and that it can uh, help you in your approach to pray, which we're about to do right now. First thing we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and pray uh, the the, the same prayer for for this week that we prayed on Sunday uh, as part of Unite 714. Uh, Believers all around the world gathered together uh, praying and taking a stand in the spirit against COVID-19. And uh, we're going to go ahead and join our faith together here. The, the scriptures laid out that we're standing on here tonight as we pray is Ephesians six thirteen through 14, where it says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, uh, stand firm. And Jesus answered them, this is Matthew twenty one twenty one. another verse we're standing on here. Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. So let's pray together. Uh, Heavenly Father, for many weeks we've been living under the constant threat of COVID-19. Bombarded by bad news and sequestered in our homes, we face deep concerns and even the imminent possibility of sickness and financial hardship. There have been days we may have struggled to stand in faith, but still by your power and grace we rise up. We put on our spiritual armor today through faith in Jesus Christ. We pray against COVID-19 by the word of God and through the strength of the Holy Spirit. We resist all the effects of COVID-19 on us, our families, churches, cities, and nations. This virus has loomed over the nations of the world and has reached every aspect of society. Despite these challenges, though, we stand before COVID-19 and declare our God is able to deliver us. So we ask, 
by the great mercy of God Almighty that COVID-19 will be eradicated and that we will soon see it gone and reduced to nothing. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, we're going to go ahead and keep on hearing the word and keep ourselves well-fed so we can increase in faith. And we pray that you work in our hearts and produce in us, O oh God, your character. You've shown us your mercy and your grace countless times. And we're thankful and humbly ask for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit on all the peoples of the world. Let it rain. May countless millions be saved and discipled as your church boldly proclaims the gospel in this critical hour. This is our prayer and confidence through the mighty power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. So, Father, tonight in this place, we have declared that we are standing against this situation in our world, this situation in our nation. And, Lord, we do so with boldness. We do so unapologetically. We take a stand against the evil that, that, that the enemy has sought. To, to bring in, to rob people of health, to rob people of loved ones, to rob people of family members, to rob people of their livelihoods and their finances and financial stability. Oh, we see that the enemy has come in and has sought to, to cause upheaval. We take a stand against him in the name of Jesus. And we say, Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. We declare that in our lives and in the lives of, of us as believers and in the lives of us as those who follow the Lord Jesus Christ, that, that we've got the blood of the Lamb on the doorpost of our house. And we will not settle for, for just going through and saying, well, it, it, it can, it can happen to anybody. No, I'll tell you, if you've got COVID-19 in your house, fight against it. Stand against it. Don't just say, la-di-da, what can I do about it? You can do something about it. Take a stand. Tell that thing to get out of your house in the name of Jesus. Take a stand. Be bold. Be bold. Go ahead and make a case before God. Say, Lord, I'm your child, I'm your son, I'm your daughter, and I've applied the blood to my doorpost. Therefore, there is absolutely no right for this thing to come and dwell inside of my house or to dwell in my body in any way, shape, or form. Hallelujah. And I'll tell you, glory to God, uh, I, I believe there's boldness rising up in people's hearts. I, I believe that as we've gotten into the word tonight, that it struck a chord in many of you. That's my prayer, oh God, that, that, that we would go ahead and be able to learn to stand before you and make a case before you, lay out our arguments before you, oh God. Thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray for our nation. Lord, we pray for President Trump. And Vice President Pence, we pray for, for all those that are surrounding them and, and giving them counsel, especially regarding this current situation. Father, we pray for the discernment of the Holy Ghost, that, that there would be a clear distinction between good advice and bad advice, good counsel and bad counsel. And I thank you, Lord, that any counsel being given that is skewed in any way, I thank you that it would be clearly seen and clearly revealed as such so that those that are in the position to make the final call would know, no, we're not going with that. 
We're not going that direction. I thank you, Lord, that that which is right would be clearly seen and clearly identified by those in authority and those in the final uh, position to make decisions. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, we take a stand because, Lord, we know we, we, we know that, that there, there's some things out there that are true. There's some things out there that have spin on it. There's some things out there that are based on the spirit of fear. And Lord, we resist fear. We resist fear in our lives, in our world. We resist fear. We embrace power and love and soundness of mind. We know that comes from you. We embrace that. But fear, no, we reject fear because we realize that fear does not come from you. Fear has torment, and he that fears is not made perfect in love. And so, Lord, we turn from that, and we embrace the fact that you love us. Hallelujah. We embrace the fact that we are loved of our Father. And we also embrace the fact that we are allowing the love of God not just to come towards us, but to manifest through us. And that perfect love, that which comes towards us, and that which also is passing through us, to, to uh, minister and bless others is casting out all fear in Jesus' name. Casting out all fear. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that the church is rising up. The church is rising up. And Lord, we're not just waiting for a time when this is done and then at that point in time, then we'll go ahead and step it up or have a brand new, fresh appreciation for something. Lord, we believe that our time is right now. Not just then, but Lord, right now in the middle of this, that the church would be the church. That the church would stand up in a place before God like never before, taking their rightful place in Christ, knowing who they are, and doing what we talked about tonight, laying their case out before God on behalf of the nation, on behalf of the world, on behalf of the lost. And I thank you, Father, that a great shaking is taking place and a great awakening is taking place in our nation and all around the world. Lord, we pray that the, the, former, rain, the former rain and the latter rain fall together. Hallelujah. In this great great last outpouring before Jesus comes back. We pray as Zechariah uh, spoke in the 10th chapter of his book, Lord, send the rain in the time of the latter rain. Send the rain on, on all those where seeds have been planted, but those seeds have not taken yet. The, the seeds have been planted, but, but, but the rain has to fall, Lord, so, so, so that these seeds are watered and can grow and be harvested. Oh, Lord, it's your will. Oh, God, it's your desire. And you've got long patience for this. So, Father, we pray, let that rain fall. The rain of your Holy Spirit, let it fall. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the greatest harvest. The greatest harvest that, that, that not just uh, uh, is something in line with what we've read about, but Lord, we pray for something beyond what we've read about. Hallelujah. Lord, we pray for it all over the world. But Lord, we pray very specifically about it for here in our neighborhood, in our backyard, in our region, in, in our states that we live in, oh God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let the rain fall 
in Massachusetts and Rhode Island. In Jesus' name. Let there be the greatest harvest and the greatest move of God that has ever been seen, ever been seen in these parts. Hallelujah. Lord, let it be that those who were around for previous great awakenings would long to look over the banister of heaven and to see such glory that was even beyond the glory that they saw in their day. Oh, Father, we expect great things. We ask of you great things. Because, Lord, despite what is wrong with our nation, and there's many things that are wrong, there's many abominations that are uh, actively lived out every day, and there's the shedding of innocent blood, and there's a lot of evil that happens in our nation. But Lord, at the same time, there's those in this nation that honor you, love you, and are committed to you. And Father, we pray that, that the effect, the effect of, of the, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and their faith and their action and their consistency to pray and their consistency to speak the word and their consistency to give and get the gospel out around the world, that the effect of the church would be greater than the effect of the sinners, that the effect of those who stand up for what's right would be greater than the effect of those who are standing up for that which is evil. Hallelujah. Lord, that's our prayer tonight. May the, the impact of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in America be so great. Lord, may we be stirred up like never before. May we not be sleeping. Oh, may we be wide awake, oh God. May, may we be so wide awake and tuned into you and tuned into your spirit, having a sensitivity towards you like never before, a sensitivity towards people, a heart, for the lost like never before. Oh Lord, what days we're in. But Father, I pray that we're redeeming the time, that we are maximizing our time right now during this season. Lord, to do all that we can, oh Lord, to, to reach and to reach people that, that we may not usually even have the chance to reach, but that you, by your Spirit, are impacting people. And Lord, through the word that's being heard, through social media, through, through live streaming, that can be heard all over this region, all over our nation, and all over the world. Father, I thank you that, that there's so much word. There's so many people that are doing just the very thing we're doing here. Father, I pray, Lord, that this is having such an impact, such an impact. And people who are scared and lost and, 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 and you know, they, they may have heard about some apocalyptic things before, but when they actually get face-to-face one, it causes them to have fear because they don't know what to do. They're not ready. But Father, I thank you, Lord, that if they know who to turn to, and they know the only sure thing in this world of uncertainty is Jesus. And if they're told that, and they believe that, Lord, we can have such an amazing harvest. And Lord, this is in line with your will. This is in line with your plan. Because Lord, you said, you said, you're not willing that any should perish.
but that all come to repentance. Lord, we know that there will be those who perish. We know there'll be those who choose not to follow you. But Lord, we know that for every one of those situations, that's not the way you wanted their story to end. Because your will and your desire is that none should perish. So Father, we pray, Lord of the harvest, send laborers. Send laborers. Lord, may there be people ready to go, ready to minister, ready to take a phone call when they need to take a phone call, be right there for a person when they need to be there. Oh, God. And Lord, we're not just saying send somebody else. Lord, when we say send laborers, we're volunteering. We're saying like Isaiah said, here we are. Send us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord that the impact of your move, the move of the Holy Spirit through your church and the word of God that's being proclaimed through your church, that that impact is so great and it's being felt all over our nation and all over our world and that the true words will be realized that the impact of the last Adam is infinitely by far greater than the impact of the first Adam. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. We thank you for this. In Jesus' precious and mighty name. I want to talk to you tonight as we're getting ready to wrap up our service here. You know, you might be one who was just kind of going along with life and, and, uh, uh, this uh, COVID-19 situation in the world really knocked your world upside down and, and, and you've been in a place where you say, man, I, I've never been scared before. I find myself scared. I've never been uncertain before. I find myself having a whole lot of uncertainty. But here's the thing. This is the perfect opportunity for you to welcome the certain one into your life. That certain one being the Lord Jesus Christ. That one that whether things are going left, going right, going up, or going down, that he is a steady anchor in your life will be the stabilizing factor that will go ahead and keep you, keep you safe in the palm of his hand. Would you be willing to allow him to not just have involvement in your life, not just have, you know, some, be, be some, uh, uh, some comfort to you, but to actually be your Lord. Because he's not looking just for little involvement. He's looking to be the Lord. He's looking to be the one who has total say-so over everything going on in your life. But that's not a bad thing. That's a very good thing. Because him calling the shots and you listening to his shots is going to work out a whole lot better than anything you've ever tried before. That's you. And you realize, boy, I need Jesus. I just flat out need Jesus now and more than ever before. This is your moment. You might have strayed, strayed from the right road. You were on the right road, but you got off. It's time to come back. Tonight's your night. I'm going to go ahead and pray. 
And I want you to go ahead and pray with me. We're not just throwing out some magic words. This only makes a difference in your life if you pray this and mean it with your heart and believe it with your heart. And if you do, this is going to make a major difference in your life because this will allow Jesus the opportunity to save you and to be your Lord and to be the one who's now calling the shots in your life. And you will willingly give that over to him and no longer try to be the one who's calling the shots. This is for you tonight. Pray with me right now. Father,